Hello and welcome to episode six of the season. I'm back again with Mike and Dan. How are we doing, gents? All good, mate. Nice to be back. Well, sort of nice to be back. We'll get into why it might not be later on, but uh, yeah, good to speak to you again, mate. I was going to say can't complain, but I've got a bit I can complain about, actually, so <laughs> I won't say that. I'll say all is fine, yeah. All is fine in Huff Towers. And the question is, have we turned a corner? Let's be honest, my motivation to a podcast while we didn't weren't scoring and went seven games without a goal, which even actually goes into the last podcast. We're going to cover, I can't remember, six or seven games on this podcast very quickly. And as we do these days, talk about themes, um, ask, ask some big questions, probably some small answers. Um, and yeah, go through, go through um, what's been going on in the world of Shrewsbury. And hopefully we won't depress you, everyone, too much because it has been hard watch um, the last few weeks. Yeah, I think we can all talk about football till the cows come home, but, you know, it's it's thin gruel, as they say, covering <laughs> some of the stuff we've seen recently. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much we get out of this. But like you say, I think we built up a, a good a good backlog of enough games to, to really get our teeth into. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what you guys think. I've not spoken to either of you about the matches uh, over the course of this, so it'd be good good chat, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure I can answer your question about whether we turned a corner yet, either, Ollie. I mean, it's it absolutely 100%. Dunno. Here's Cummings. Cummings with another chance. He's done it again. Jason Cummings, Shrewsbury Town superstar. The Shrews have come back from the brink against the European and world champions of the game. Last game we covered on the podcast was a 3-0 away defeat to Forest Green Rovers, the game that was going to instill confidence in the team and in the fans, and we lost 3-0. Um, then we lost 3-0 to Bristol Rovers at home, um, which was a, a really, really poor uh, result, to be honest. Um, we lost to Brighton Hove Albion, which was going to be the game that was going to get us back into confidence and get the fans going again. Um, but we didn't score against Brighton and Hove's under-21s. Now, you can tell me that they're going to be future stars, and there's probably one or two future stars or at least decent talent in that team. But don't tell me that a team of professionals... And the strong league one side should not be scoring at least against a Brighton and Hove and Albion side. Would you guys agree with that? Is that a fair comment? Totally, yeah. I think those under twenty one games in the in the Peaks Trophy, we should always be looking to win those. I think it's um, relatively embarrassing to be beaten or even held by a team of kids, regardless of what academy they're from. We've seen loads of academy prospects come and play for us in in grown men football and and fade into 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 the background uh, and not be able to cope. So yeah, they they should be teams we're rolling over if we've got anything about us. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but um, the vibes were not positive. That wasn't one no. of our finest hours, no doubt about that one. No. Um, and talking of vibes, we went to Lake Orient, didn't score again, lost 1-0. Played Charlton, didn't score. But before this game, I was chatting to Callum, who was sitting next to uh, the meadow, and I was pretty much convinced that this was the end of the road, the start of the end of the road for Matt Taylor. Because let's be honest, we were sh we, at this point we were shocking. Apps, yeah. We'd gone, we'd, we'd as you said, Mike, on previous podcasts, we'd scored some lucky goals, we got some lucky points, but at this point we looked, we looked at an absolute shambles. Um, mm. We didn't look like a professional football team. No plan, no desire, no application, nothing. Um, and then the Charlton game, we did actually show a little bit of little bit of desire. Um, and a little bit of fight um, and a little bit of a bit of creativity. And we actually looked like we were going to score a goal um, for a change. I would say that Charlton game was the height of my positivity this season so far. I came out of there and I thought, can I see the, the, the 
the green shoots of what they're trying to achieve here, what Matt Taylor's, the process, you know, we've all heard about the process so far, what the process is working towards. Is that what it is? And there was a little bit of football being played. We were a little bit more expansive. We were, we were a little bit, I mean, little is the operative word here. We were, we were a little bit bolder on the ball and, and we did create a decent number of chances. All that was really missing that day was the finish. Uh, and it could have been, you know, the hammering that Matt Taylor has been promising somebody. We still haven't seen it yet. You know, the hammering's on the way by all accounts. Um, and so I was, yeah, I, I came out of that one relatively positive, only to be chapped right back in the deep end against Oxford. It seemed like one small step forward, one huge step back. Um, I don't know what, what you thought about those ones, Dan. That was um, that was a bit of chalk and cheese, those two performances, wasn't it? Well, different teams as well. I mean, I, yeah. I think I, I'm not quite as, as, as doom and gloom about all of this as, as, as some. And I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't mean that I'm right, but Oxford, Oxford are a good team. They're, they're a different team to the, the side we saw last year. Um, that they they ping the ball about pretty well. They didn't create many chances. I mean, if if you remember the goals that they scored, you know, Morosi had a, a monstrous a monstrous evening. One he won't care to remember, and we didn't defend the corner very well. Apart from that, there weren't there weren't masses of chances. Yet when they scored, and this is why I definitely do buy into what you're saying, Mike. I couldn't see, you know, there's more chance of me uh, learning to fly a rocket to the moon than, than there was of Super Town scoring that night once we'd gone one down. And that was the bigger issue. It was the same at Leighton Orient. We, we started well for half an hour. We were very good. Mm. We were very good. Uh, and we did look like a competent unit. Then they scored. And that That's was the pattern that was worrying me most. Well, what do we do when other teams score? Because we don't look like we've really got a plan B. For all their passing, they only had 1.2 XG and they scored three goals. I have to say, if you're looking for positives from that game, we defended well, apart from the two crazy moments um, that cost us um, a couple of goals. But other than that, yeah, they had 615 passes to our 187. They absolutely dominated possession. But yeah, we lost 3-0. So it sounds a little bit silly. But yeah, it didn't didn't seem like a 3-0 game to me. Now, they were in second gear. um, They're in confidence. Um, who knows what would have happened if we'd scored a goal? They probably would have gone up through the gears, and they probably would. We probably would have seen a different performance. Um, but well, they did I, concede first against Stevenage yeah. the week before, and one three one at Stevenage. Yeah. And you and I, Ollie, were sitting next to each other at Stevenage, yeah. and they're, they're they're a team that you've got to go toe to toe with before you get yeah. to play any football. So that that result had worried me before we even got there. Yeah, we only had point one four xG in that game, which is pretty poor, Mike. Yeah, I mean Oxford. I felt watching it, they felt like they were playing with us a little bit, and they were patient. They they didn't they knew they didn't have to go toe to toe with us. They just looked after the ball, and when they saw the opportunity, it was pass pass through on goal. And that's what worried me in that game is that it, when they when they wanted to play through us, they just seemed to just be able to do pass pass and go. And two of the goals were were keeper pass to midfield, midfielder knocks it around the corner, and they're in on goal. And they had another chance in the first half, I think, where. The striker was through and he, he pumped it wide and it looked like for all the world like a goal. And it was, you know, I when they went, that, to, mind, but when they went think... to go through, they just went through and it was, it, they were straight through. They, did you did know. they know? I mean, the first goal, Morosi dropped in, he shouldn't have done. The third goal, God knows what he was doing. I mean, the one where yeah. he went clean through in the first but half, the, the, that was from third, our corner. You know, and, and we just got ourselves in a defensive mix-up in their half. So, but I, it, just, I it just it just flows through too easy though. There's there's no there's you know if, if we've got a corner, there should be people back to stop that quick pass through. And break it up. And and the second one, you're saying it came from a, a you know, it, the, it was Anderson getting sent off. Was where it happened? It's pop, go, pass, pass. It goes around the back. Anderson gets himself sent off. Then the free kick comes in. So it wasn't directly to the goal, but it, it created the free kick for the chance. And it was just, I just felt like we we didn't we barely laid a glove on them, and they just looked after the ball and bang, 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 three goals. And it, they were they were easy to get. I felt 
Um, we didn't do ourselves any, any favours, especially with old uh, Morosi. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those things that happens to people once in a while. But, but I, I did feel ultimately that we, 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 our shape wasn't too bad. And, 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 the, and that, that XG number, I didn't know that XG number before we, before we started this pod, Ollie. But I'm not surprised. I didn't, I didn't think it looked like scoring every, every five minutes. But it doesn't matter. Once you've got one and we're not going to score, is that it? It's yeah. game over. I think that's the point is that, they, like you say, they look like a good side. They're doing well. Um, as Mike said, they're in second or maybe even first gear all, all game. They were patient. Um, yeah, they didn't create many chances, but they didn't need to. Um, and like we said, yeah, we, like you said, you know, the Stevens game, they came back. So, yeah, interesting to go there. We went into um, Salat versus Northampton. Um, I wasn't at this game. I was at a wedding in Netley Hall, just south of Shrewsbury, which was nice. Um, didn't miss the game at all. And I wasn't really too bothered I was missing it. Um, so, But I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the score, I have to say. Um, Shrewsbury Town went into this game not scoring in seven games um, and effectively we went seven and a half games if, well almost actually we went eight games worth of minutes because um, Dan O'Doe scored on the 91st minute um, and a, a, a good moment and it seemed like a, a big release a big relief and a big release for the, the players might um, to score that goal yeah, um, hands up, I didn't see this one either. I was doing the long bin hike at the weekend. Oh, you were? You um, were, mate? Yeah. Sorry, you were doing the walk. So I listened to the first half walking up the long bin um, on, a, on a sort of classic transistor FM radio, um, and it sounded rubbish, frankly. And we were walking along with some other town fans um, who were all sort of, say, sort of listening in and saying, you know, we were all grumbling about the town. And then we missed the second half because as we got over the back of the long bin, um, we picked up BBC Radio Wales, and I didn't want to listen to whatever they were pumping out. So we turned the radio off and then we got to one of the checkpoints and somebody told us that we'd scored a last minute winner. And there was like a, a minor Shrewsbury Town party um, sort of up on the top of the Stiper Stones when we found out the result. But um, yeah, I, I didn't see the match. I watched the, um, oh, I just should say actually, one of the checkpoints at three o'clock in the morning at the top of Pole Bank, after we walked about 35 miles, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you on the, on the Salopcast podcast? I recognise your voice. I said, yeah. He said, oh, I listen to my son all the time. Brilliant. So I didn't ask the guy's name. So just shout out to that guy. Well done on it, completing it. I did see him at the end, um, which was, you know, that was, it was probably only slightly more gruelling than watching the town from the highlights I've seen, to be honest with you. Well, I put the, the highlights on just before we started recording the pod and it looked like Northampton had plenty of chances. Um, didn't quite take them and we were a bit of a smash and grab at the end. I don't know. Did you see it, down? I don't know if anybody else got any more info. I've on, watched on the whole game back, but I'll let Dan yeah. show his opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I, I was not at the top of the long wind uh, on Saturday. I was I was playing vets football in West London, so so I I've, I'm very much basing my my analysis on what what I've seen since. Um, I think for me, what what I'd say is that football football's about lows and highs, right? And we've just talked about all the lows, but to score a ninety first minute winner when they've just smashed a penalty against the bar, I mean, that is what it's all about. And, and that, that's going to be fantastic for everybody involved in the club, whether you're on the terraces, uh, whether you're you know, on the top of the long wind or, or whether you're in the West London Vets League or whether you're on the pitch. And, and that, that's the type of moment that, that not just is good in the moment, it, it can really um, you know, prompt players to go into the next game with a little bit more of a, you know, a bounce in their step. And I'm hopeful of that, that moment, or hoping that that moment really is a catalyst um, to give the side a bit more confidence because the one thing we do not seem to have is confidence and only a bit of luck going our way a goal like that a win like that is going to change the you know change that dynamic so that's what one hopeful 
critical juncture, in, if that's the right word, I'm getting all political science, I shouldn't do that. Um, one key moment in, in our season. And, and if, if that's it, then, you know, let's see what we can do at Cambridge on Saturday to try and build on it. I would say, I watched the game back. I, and I did ask a Northampton fan what um, he thought of the game. I um, mean, he said, um, so Dan um, from the Cobblers podcast said, it was a poor game from both sides and it felt inevitable once we missed the penalty. It was always going to be a one-goal game and you took your chance well. Um, he did say at first, he said, you know, you could probably do it in a word in terms of the match summary. Northampton, I think, well, fans will be frustrated and disappointed they didn't win that game. I think they created... Well, they had more shots on target, they had more XG, they were the better side, they had more possession. But Shujitan did score. Um, yeah. and yeah, it was a well-taken finish by Nado. Um, good to good um battling from Kina to score. And interesting, you said actually, Dan, you said that the players are not confident at the moment. I would say some players are not confident. I'd actually say our defenders are actually quite confident. Shea Dunkley's playing well, Feeney's doing all right, um, Kina's playing well. Um, so I think from a, a defensive point of view, we're actually fairly confident. Another clean sheet again. So, we, you know, we haven't been scoring many goals, but we have had a clean sheet there. I don't know what you think about that, Dan. Well, yeah, before the weekend, there was a great stat there, wasn't there, that five of the six teams in the playoff had conceded more goals than us. And the sixth team had conceded the same amount of goals than us. So so the, the, the problem is not at that end of the pitch, you know, despite what happened at Oxford. Um, the problem is pretty obviously at the other end. So you're right. I think Dunkley's been been monumental over the last month. I think all of the defenders have been okay, uh, for sure, but um, it's it's just in front of them that we've got the issues. What do you think about Flanagan coming back into the side, Mike? Yeah, I think uh, I prefer him over Anderson. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I'm only about his passing in the past, but he, the job he does when he, he's defending, he does staunchly, he's, he heads it away, kicks it away, he puts tackles in. So um, I feel I feel more confident when he's back there, that, like that um, that Feeney, Dunkley and um, Flanagan three. Feels with confidence. Um, and it, and it, and then being so so, I just I think I feel it frees up the the, the fullbacks to be able to go forward more often. Whether they do or not, uh, and they're allowed to, is is a question. But I'd like to see them get forward more. And I think with that three back there, they can be more confident to to let the shackles off a little bit. So yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So I was listening to what um, watching the I follow back, and I got two quotes from Stu Dunn, um, which kind of summed up. So yeah, if you haven't seen heard Stu Dunn's commentary for the Dano Go goal, I would recommend listening to it. It's really good. Um, and he says it in the game, he says, we're not, and this is very Dunny, we're not creating an awful lot, which is a very polite way of saying we're a bit shit at the moment. Um, but then when we do score, he says, Ado um, scores at last, at last, at last, Shrewsbury Terran are back on the score sheet. Um, and yeah, it was a big relief. And you could see where the players were happy. And a really interesting comment, actually, just about players happy. Um, there was a, there's a, there's a Shrewsbury Terran fan who's quite vocal at the moment on Twitter shouting at the end of the, the Charlton game. And he was shouting. And actually, one Tom Bayliss heard him and turned and looked at him in disgust. And I thought that was quite interesting because he was shouting about Matt Taylor, who Matt Taylor was just standing behind him. And I thought it was interesting that the player wasn't very happy in what the fan had to say about his head coach. And that gave me a little bit of glimmer of hope as well, is that the players are are with the man, are with the manager head coach. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you I think saw, about I saw I saw that as well, and it was—it's frustrating, like to, to give that volley of abuse after actually, you know, what we thought was probably the the most positive performance we'd seen in a while in that uh, the Charlton game where we got the point and we'd and we'd done everything but score. So I could see why Tom Bayliss was a bit knocked off. He's thinking, well, if you can't get behind us after that, like you know, you know you're just here to boo, aren't you? You're not you're not coming with an open mind and a, and a supportive attitude. So, um, but I think I think there's some people who've got frustrations 
that sit outside of the playing staff and the managing staff, I think, and, and go a bit higher up the chain and just take it out on the players on the pitch on a Saturday. Or indeed with themselves, quite frankly. Well, yeah. possibly, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I, I, I was uh, sort of going back to what you said a minute ago, Ollie, about the, the goal and the relief. Um, because we'd been on the long wind and we'd, we'd sort of heard it go in, about it going in and got all excited, I was desperate to come back and watch the goal, see what it was like. And my little, my little lad had still gone with his, with his granddad and he was, he was full of it when I got home. I popped it on the highlights earlier on and, it just made me laugh, but poor old, it comes from poor old um, Kenner having a big old heavy touch and then he has to go into a tackle and it squeaks out. But the finish is brilliant, isn't it, from Udo? Slides it in bottom corner. Um, to have, the, to have the, the composure to do that in the last minute, he hasn't scored for ages. It must be such a boost for Udo. And fingers crossed he goes on a bit of a goal-scoring run now because it feels like he's just needed that one to get going because his, his all-round game, I think he's improved a bit. He's dropping a bit too deep for me at the moment, but um, he's stronger. He's, he seems faster. And he just needed that goal and then he can just go. I think Dan doesn't like Dan Udo this season. I think he's been all right. Dan, I'll let you take it away. Just shaking your head at me over there. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to disagree a bit on Udo, but we can get back to that later. But one thing I would say about the finish, the bit, thing I like about it is, of course, didn't think about it, did he? Saw the ball, slotted it home instinctively. He didn't think, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go left to the keeper. Because I think when he has too much time, then th- things can quite often go wrong. With this one, he just saw a goal scorer's finish. Just ball dropped, he hit it in. And also, Kenner, I mean, it wasn't the most gracious assist you'll, you'll ever have, was it? But but he has definitely improved. We're going to miss him if he if he's not available through the international. Break yeah, he won't be available. He's been called up yeah. again. So he's definitely... I, would, I wouldn't, you know, he's not quite Perlo yet. Um, but he's definitely a better player than he was a month ago. And I'm, I'm quite pleased to see that because although I do feel he sometimes gets his boots on the wrong feet, um, he's been winning a lot of ball. And he, he was doing that at, at Lake Norian and he was doing that at, at Charlton. What I was going to say about the fans, though, very quickly, at Lake Norian, um, again, there's plenty of reasons why fans might have, you know, might have been very unhappy at the end. But I thought all of the away supporters kept with the team. Uh, there was no booing at the end. Maybe away supporters are slightly different than what you're going to get in the meta. There's probably some of that in it as well. But certainly, I, I think I think the feeling was, you know, that one very good. But come on, you ain't you ain't going to get any worse if we keep going at you. Get, keep at it. Uh, and of course, that that's the type of thing that you would hope would lead to one 0 wins with a goal in the ninety first minute eventually, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Way fans are often a lot more. How do I say? Have a lot more patience. It's a word you put sympathetic into, into the, to the broader cause. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, yeah, I think, you know, also, let's be honest, if, you ever, if you've gone on the way day, you probably had a few beers, you're probably a bit more of a day of it. If you just go mm-hmm. to the football, it's it's dire and then you leave. It's a little bit of a different vibe, maybe. But yeah, um, I totally agree with that. Um, so do you, do you guys think that we're, we're touching? I want to come back to this Dan Ado discussion, actually. So, yeah, we've got a WhatsApp group, Saladcast WhatsApp group, and we discussed the game. And you've been quite critical of Dan Ado, Dan, a fellow Dan. Yeah, um... I think the issue is is more the impact that he's been having on the system that we play, and I, and I think there is now. We I changed mean, system the last few games as well. We are yeah. having a slightly different system, so maybe worth covering that as well. Yeah, but I think it, deep down Taylor's a three-five-two man or three summit whatever in the middle two. You know, there's always going to be you know five people somewhere in the middle in theory, um, and you know you might want to call it three-four-three if you want, but but it, it's three-five-two I think in his heart hearts. But I think though. Um, is not good enough at linking play together. Now, you might say, well, his job's putting the ball in the net. Well, all right, then. Well, why doesn't he do some of that instead? Because he's not very good at that either. Now, when I say he's not very good at it, the goal on 
Saturday against Northampton was a prime example of what I want the centre forward to do. Be there when the ball drops and put it in the net. Udo's natural territory is outside the box or on the edge of the box. And I feel he wants to get the ball. He wants to turn and he wants to run straight. And that's not the end of the world, but it's the only trick he's got at the moment. I don't really see him linking up the play that well. Now, he, he, this may change. You know, he may, once he gets you know further into the season, remember he's had a lot of time off, it, it, it may fit. But I've not seen him work together with whoever he's been playing with up front in any meaningful way in any game. Now, I'm not leading a campaign to get Danado dropped, but I think, I think he needs to do more. And I think he might well be part of the problem if he keeps clogging the system up in the way... That's a bit harsh because there are other problems with the system as well. But but he is one part of it that I think potentially we, we need to think about um, doing doing something with. Mm. I, I think the the problem for Danny though is he's he's trying to write the theme tune, play the theme tune, and, and sing the theme tune. Do you know what I mean? He's he's trying to drop in and get the ball and create the chance and score the chance. Because if you stand up front in this team for ninety minutes, you will barely get a chance, and the chances you get will be half chances because we're not creating anything. So. He'll he'll spend the first part of the pitch, the first part of the game at the top of the pitch, waiting for the ball to come. It doesn't. He gets frustrated, like all footballers do. And like you say, his job is to stand up there and score the goals. But he'll come and find the ball then. But then, like you say, he's dropping in and clogging up the system. And he's another body, not creating a chance. And then when the chance does come, he's not there then. So half the problem is, he's, I think he's frustrated at the lack of service because we just there's no balls coming in from out wide. I think I saw um, Pooley on Twitter today saying, when was the last time we scored a goal from a cross from a header? You know, there's, there's, there's nothing coming from out wide. So we're all jammed up in the middle. Udo's coming, dropping deep into the middle. So maybe the change in system that, that Ollie's alluding to is going to free up Udo a bit just to hang around and score the goals because I don't want him dropping in. I want him up the top, pace over the top, ball around the back. That's that's what I think. But he is. has that's always that. dropped in, Mike. He's always done yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree. Yeah, he has. I, I can't tell. He, he wants to run from 40 yards with, with the yeah, ball. Yeah, but I've seen him score plenty of goals in the box and, and, and tap-ins and finishes and, you know, the goal at Liverpool would be a perfect example of arriving on the end yeah. of the box. He scored, he scored plenty of them. Example, to be fair. He, can yeah. do a, he can do a bit of both and he does drop in, but he's he's perfectly natural and able to play on the shoulder if he gets the service. But if you don't get the service, of course you're going to drop in because you've got to go and get the ball. Otherwise, you'll be accused of hiding or avoiding or not being effective. So he's damned if he doesn't, damned as he doesn't with the level of service he gets. Mm. But, but in terms of league goals, and I'm, not, I'm going to spring this on you, Ollie, and I don't know why I expect you to know the answer. What's his highest number of league goals in the campaign? Double figures just before he got before he got injured, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 So so double figures season just, before. It's not it's not yeah, but, that was yeah, but if you who was the last striker that scored more than double figures, you know, a significant number. Shuby Town don't have goals. Oh, it was Okinabiri, then you're going to Collins, exactly. then you're probably going to Holt. Well, so, exactly. Not yeah, four, but but four in twenty years, you know, it's it's you know he's not a standout bum. I think he's if you put him on the list of all the strikes and the goals they scored, he's probably up the top for a season. I talent. didn't call him a standout bum. What I said, was, <laughs> I said, I said, I think we we can either get we, we should either get more out of him or think about the system we're playing because it, agree, we're not yeah. seeing the best of Dan Nado. I, I think the, the Liverpool goal is exactly the type of goal I want to see him score. But you're yeah. right, the fact that we had a, a wing back crossing the ball in makes a difference, doesn't it? Imagine that, eh? And I, think, and I think the tweaking system is to play to that strength that Mike is talking about. So we're playing like Mata as like a front pivot, a target man, Bayliss and Ado often, which means he's getting to those half spaces. And it's you know, two things can be true, can't they? So yes, he hasn't been playing very well. Um, I can't think of the games. It was 
probably even going back to like Stevenage game was a game member you were talking about, Dan. I'll sit next to you that game. You were quite critical of his performance. Um, I think you could, I think the fact is you can be critical of everyone's performance in the final third because who's been playing well in the final third? No one. Absolutely no one. No one consistently anyway. They might have one game where they do something and make themselves like Winchester against Charlton, I thought was really good and play some nice balls, but no one's consistently effective. So I think... I mean, you, you take that game right. out and it really is Carl who? It's yeah. been non-existent over the last but then, but I, but I think this is about the structure, isn't it? This yes. is where we this is where we talk about five at the back. And you know, people um people don't like five and wing five at the back and wing backs because we play it so badly. It's not about the formation. You can play whatever formation you want in the world, but if you if you make your whole team defend and you don't push forward, and that's the problem. Our wing our wing backs are not getting forward enough. Our strikers are not holding up the ball. We don't manage to, when we do get the ball, we don't manage to play a few passes together. We don't give the back defence a break. So eventually they get knackered and we concede. And it's just the whole thing just isn't working. Um, mm. And I think, I think you're be, right, Dan. We seem to be lacking a few partnerships on the pitch as well. Yeah. Go, go back to Udo. He, I think he plays best in a pair. He can't really do it on his own. And he needs a partner. And I think that there's, there's signs there that him and Matt could be a useful partnership. But in the first couple of games they played together, Every time the ball was being played over for Matt to flick on, Dan Udo stood next to him because he's trying to flick it on. And if they can work out a partnership where they're a little bit further apart and they're playing different roles, that would work better. And, you know, Kenner in the middle with Bayliss and Perry, it, it, they don't really feel like they're all on the same page yet, which doesn't lead to you creating good chances because they're not playing fluidly. The only partnership we really had was Shipley and Bayliss, and that got broken up because of the injury. So if we can start seeing the team form in these partnerships in the new system, perhaps they'll be a bit more productive. But at the moment, it does feel a little disjointed and a little bit like we're we're playing a formation or, or well, a, a system that we're not still not quite comfortable with, and that's a, a important thing to develop on, I think, really. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot a lot in that. But but my starting, I'm glad Chris is Chris is not here actually because he he'd be having a field day with what I'm going to say next. He's off watching Strictly, is he or something? On me again, like that, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but he, he, he would love what I'm going to say next because he, he's always hated um, uh, um, playing in effect 3-5-2. And I've always defended it because I was like, because I was like playing it myself, <laughs> basically. But that's not much use to Shrewsbury Town, is it, that I like playing it myself? But even I have to admit now that the 3-5-2 we have is a 5-3-2. And we wonder why we can't keep the ball and then take the ball forward and score because well, we haven't got enough players in front of the ball. We've got, I mean, I saw it, you know, at late Orient when we were doing well. We still really had five at the back. And that, that I think I've had a bit of an epiphany here. And, and, and my thinking is that the, the, the 3 5 has got to go, right? And I, I'm interested to see if Taylor does something to get us more forward-looking players on the ball. So I, I think we, we need to... Do we have to wait for January? No. Or do we, we do it? We can do it Saturday. Bring, well, interesting thought. Interesting thought. I didn't even think about this. this is just completely... Shipley comes back from injury. He's a winger. He's a natural left winger. And who's who plays on the right wing is doing all right at the moment in League I, Two. I, I wouldn't. No, nah, I don't call it right wing. Man City don't really. Play I know, no, 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 no. But okay, right wing, right centre forward. Tom yeah. Boxham. Well, for me, I'm going to start at the back first. I, I, I want Sobavala right back. Right. Because Be- Bennett. I, 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 we're been get, we're getting dangerous close to Omariza territory, where the less you play, the better you get here with Tom, <laughs> Tom Bloxhams. So you've got to be careful here, boys. But, but but he's got pace and he's got he's got the ability to get up and down. Omariza or Let, let's leave him <laughs> out of this story, all right? Um, but but the point is that Bennett's, I think, looking a bit older. I love Bennett, he's a great footballer, but I, I thought he looked knackered yeah, at Lake Norwich. 
And I just think if someone wanted to cultural, he wasn't on the retain list originally. I suspect it might be, if I'm being brutally honest. But my thinking with Sobavala is, if it don't work, well, two or three games, you, we, we find another right back, you know, and it will be Benny. Um, but my point is, I think he, he need, we need a bit of life there, someone who can genuinely get up and down. You'd have Fleming on the left, who I think's looked all right. He certainly looked okay when as he came out as a fullback. But yeah. fullback, in effect, when you play a back four, you play a back three, right? Because the trouble is that you need pacey, you need pacey centre backs if you have your full backs bombing on, and we lack pace, don't we? No, but no, no, Dunkley going to be exposed playing in. No, no, because you play a back three, you play a back three, don't you? Sobavala goes, so Fleming shifts across and is on the left of the back three. Fleming goes, Sobavala shifts. Now, if they both go, Kenner slips in right next to Dunkley and, and Flanagan or wherever the two are in the middle, and that there's an issue. There's going to only be two. You, you're also yeah. your system is is taking us dropping one of our three best players that we were talking about at the start yep. of this. The, the stamp. So yep. you, you arguably we the team again. from a from a form and, point of view. But, but and that's but the, the problem. That we recruited need... a back hold three on, hold on. squad, haven't we? Yeah, we need more time on the ball. We need to get extra bodies in front of those defenders. Now, I take your point. The recruitment looks like it's been for three five two. But but this not really worked. So this is where Taylor said at Walsall he didn't have a plan B. We need one, and I I think that four three three would give us one. But is the problem? Are we looking at the wrong things? Recruitment, formation. Other teams get new managers and start the season well. Other teams make progress faster than it's taken us to get to eleven games. Yeah. We're eleven games in the season, pre-season, eleven games in. I'm just asking a question. I don't know the answer to this question. Is Matt Taylor good enough as a manager? Because there was a lot of pressure building on him. Um, the Charlton game, I think, gave him a little bit of a respite. Oxford, fans were getting a bit pissed off, but I think that's a game you can just write off. But if we'd lost to Northampton and lost heavily on Saturday, I think I think, I think, I think he would have been under a lot of pressure. Um, well, he's, well, he's, under, he's under pressure now, but if, if, if that, if under a lot of pressure is a euphemism, was is he going to get sacked? The answer is no. <laughs> no, 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 he's no. I don't think anyone. Sacked. Well, that's a question. It's a yeah. question I want to bring up. So, so, um, so, um, Scarecrow on Twitter said, did Danado, Danado's goal save Taylor his job on Saturday? Scarecrow should write the headlines for the Sun. <laughs> he's no. But he's asking the question. It's, it's a yeah, question for the question. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And no, no way, no way was we um, would no way we suggesting or even saying that Taylor's job was was under under threat. But what it felt like to me is it felt like we weren't making any progress. And as a football manager, if you're not making any progress, then it feels inevitable that you're going to get sacked. Mm. And before the Charlton game, I thought he'd be gone by Christmas. I genuinely did. I wouldn't put it on Twitter and all that kind of stuff because it was just probably, I don't know, it's not the kind of thing I don't think is a good idea for us to put out there on, on social media as the, as, the, as the podcast, what we think in that kind of regard. But I was worried, genuinely worried, yeah. how is he going to survive? And he's starting to turn the table a little bit. But whether he, whether he can do enough to turn it around, that's the test yeah. now, isn't it, from now to Christmas? My concern with, with Taylor... Uh, over the, the start of the season has been, like Dan alluded to, he came in and the big thing about him was he had no plan B. And when things weren't going our way, so we won the first couple of games, it looked all good, and he was going over to the south stand and way, way, he was having a great time with me. Um, when when it sort of turned the other way and we weren't getting results, his plan B was very quickly Shea Dunkley up front for the last 20 minutes, which, I mean, that's a sign of desperation early doors. It wasn't a tactical switch. It wasn't a change in, in system or formation. It was chuck the big lad up and bang the ball at a dead. And then, um, you know, a couple of other games, we were seeing four subs at the same time. 
and it smacked the desperation early in the season. And that's, that was my concern in that he's not, that's not, that's not how I expect a professional manager to manage a game. I expect them to tweak and change and, and an effect, not to just throw the kit, throw the shit at the wall and hope something sticks. That's kind of where we were at already. And that's the worry. And that's the concern because ask you guys, what is the tactics? What's the plan? Because it doesn't feel like there is one. He talks about the process. I haven't seen what this process is. I'm not seeing a style of play. I'm not seeing. I think that's a big concern. And and this is where you you get to see what what he's really about. I mean, you know, the director of football is not going to get rid of him. We need to be aware of that because that would say a lot about his choice. Well, he might do eventually, but it's not not in October. Not till not not for a long time. Um, because I think it would say a lot about his choices and, and that they, they wouldn't it wouldn't reflect well on, on, on those. I think the big issue is about what what it, what sort of side would we like to be if we had the opportunity to keep the ball a bit more. And I don't I don't really know. But I, I do think that this is where he's got to show his metal. This is where he's got to... And it doesn't have to be a radical change if he doesn't think that's what's needed. But I think there is evidence that it might be. And that, that's why I think giving us more opportunity to keep the ball is the key to all of this. Because, I mean, you, you'll know this, Ollie, because you're better at the stats than me, but our possession stats, I mean, how many times have we in this season have we had more than 50% of the ball? It's probably none, isn't it? I think there's been one or two games, but it's been oh, okay. very rare. Very, very so, so rare. I'm not a great fan of, you know, I want to be a, what the hell does progressive football mean? It's just a buzzword, but I want to be a progressive manager, but we don't keep the ball. That that seems illogical to me. So I think it is right. The strategy question is very much out there. Um, and I think, you know, setting us up differently is is one way to go. And so I, I, I could name you my 4-3-3 if it helps um, as to what I would go with it. I mean, I don't know. Do you want me to throw, throw well, that in the just, just, just comment. Yeah, come on to that and we'll come on to it. Just a question, comment or question okay. is, he might have ideas, but can he get them across to the players? And that was the big concern before, that the players didn't seem engaged. Um, and they well, didn't I seem the like Dunkley were, thing. I, think, yeah. I haven't met a time fan yet who thinks having Dunkley up front is a good idea because he can no. hit the ball brilliantly as a centre-off. But exactly. do you reckon Dunkley is the, the, the catalyst for it? Do you reckon he said, boss, let me go. And I can do this. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't surprise me. So. But is, is is Dunkley playing up front in your four three three? No, <laughs> not even for the last ten minutes. Not even the last ten seconds. Well, ten seconds we got a corner. So yeah. go ahead. Watch your, what's go ahead, the team yeah. that's so, gonna? What's the team that's gonna get us into the playoffs? Oh okay, Well, there's a slight problem with that. I'm assuming it's not an international week. Can I? Can you give me that? <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take injuries and stuff in, in, into account. But um, so, you know, I think I'd have that back forward, Dunkley and Flanagan. Uh, I'd have Fleming on the left, Sobavala on the right, as I've said. I think we need Kenner in the middle. And I'm, I think he is improving with Winchester on his right and Perry on his left. Um, and then I'd have three up front. But the, the thing is, they're not wingers. Bayliss would be on the right and Udo would be on the left because I like him with the ball to his feet moving in. I think he can have some sort of relationship then with Mata, who would be my central striker. And Mata's got to stay in the middle. But the balls are not down the channel. This is not, these are not long balls. This is football into those three. And if we can get the ball into those three, then I think we have way more chance of creating opportunities. Sobavala may be the type of character who can get up and offer support as well, as Mike Fleming. But my issue there is more that those three up front, Bayliss, Mata, Udo, are not on their own. You know, you'd want Winchester and Perry to be able to get quite close to them while Kenner sits a bit more. With that, you can we can pick up the uh, league title in May. <laughs> and it's, well, May for me, it's it's a it's a much better style of football than we have at the moment because I, I'm doing it generally. I generally was watching the Northampton game, trying to see a style of play. I couldn't see anything. At least that would seem like a game plan. 
I'm sure Matt Taylor's done his UEFA badges. He's got some ideas in his in his book, but he doesn't seem to be implementing it at the moment. Question for you guys on building on this and, and kind of linking to the, the team that you're talking about there, Dan, is is our squad well, what are we now? 17th, 18th in the division? I think we're, we're down best. to 19th because Burton I think we're 19th, night, yeah, yeah. 19th yeah. now. Okay, we're 19th yeah. in the league. This squad is better than 19th in a division that's be honest, is poor. I think this squad is better than where we are. Not saying mm-hmm. like but we're not performing where we are. Mike has nearly fallen off his seat for those. Of course, I agree with this. I don't agree. I, I, I maintain my position from the start of the season that we we lack experience, we lack quality. We've got a lot of projects. We've got a lot of lower league gambles, and they're currently not paying off. And and that's where I am with it. And unless they are better coached to realise their supposed potential, I can't sit there and tell you that this squad is good enough to, to do any better than we do at the moment because A, they're not, and B, they're not proven players in the majority of them situations. I, so, so you think the players are the problem, not the manager? Uh, yeah, six to one, half a dozen the other. You you tell me. I, I, don't, I think it's a pretty imperfect mix. I don't think you can lay the blame at the door of one. I think the players haven't been performing as well as they could do. I think the manager is lacking ideas when it's not going the right way. I think the recruitment from the director of football has been relatively poor. I don't think I don't think it's been focused enough. I think we've got a bigger squad. I think it's not as quality. I think the the chairman's handed the reins over and let somebody else take the can for this. You know, there's there's a lot of problems there, but that's maybe another podcast. Um, sorry is, to pour water on the fire a bit. Anyway. Is this a transition season? You look at the squad. <laughs> yeah, transition to League Two if we're not careful. Well, that's the risk, isn't it? There is a transition into League Two. You look at the squad; not many players have a contract into next after, into next season. It, it currently feels to me that the best the best sort of um, likeness I'd give to it is the John Askey season. We were buying um, lower division players that we were going to turn into profits. Um, they were guys on other people's radars that we were snapping up. Um, he was going to come in and play this different style and and, and turn the football around and things and. It, it just couldn't get off the ground. The players weren't right or he wasn't right. There was something unhappy there. And I just remember him back to, I think it was Salford at home in the cup. Uh, first round, so been about November time. And the crowd, he lost the crowd. And so we were talking earlier on about Matt Taylor. Will he get the sack? You, we never thought we'd sack John Askey that early. But, you know, if you lose the crowd, the hand's forced a little bit. And and, and I, I get a lot of parallels to that season that we're going through at the moment. Can you turn it around? Yeah, maybe you can turn it around, but that's that's the trajectory I see at the moment more than a, you know, a Mickey Mellon or a you know a Paul Lewis that we keep talking about. But I think, I think, yeah, it, it, I'm I'm not loving it. What can I say? Oh well, I'm not loving it either. If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't rock and roll, is it? That's for sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm interested in that though, Mike, because I mean, in a way, every season's a transition season when you're a League One club with no money. It has to be. You can't dish out seven-year contracts. We ain't Chelsea. Uh, and so so at the end of every season, you've got the big questions about who's staying, who's going. And even those who are on contracts, bugger off to Wickham, don't they, Luke Lee? You know, so I mean, you know, yeah. I, th- I think every season there's this churn and that, that's modern football, folks. And particularly when you've got 17 lone players or whatever every club has these days. So so I, I sort of, I've, I've made peace with that in a way. It, it, everything's transition all the time. But the experience point, I mean, if you go for the team, you've got Morosi and Nets. Now, he's experienced enough, right? Cod- he, he Cod- Cod- player. Steve Cottrell footballer. Yeah, but, but we're talking about yeah. the team, right? About whether yeah, the team has a yeah. I mean, and you know, but they're never going to bring 17 new players. But for me, so you've got Morosi, you've got Dunkley and Flanagan. That's, Flanagan's an international. Cod- Cod- Dunkley footballers, yeah. But, but I, don't, I don't see the point with yeah. Cottrell. I don't see the, the point. With, so, so Matt Taylor didn't sign these players. So I'm talking about there is a sprinkling of experience. I'm not saying we've got any experienced players, but okay. all the players that have been brought in, 
they're not they're not adding. But we've got we've got enough experienced experience. players. Because I'd leave, I'd say Morosi, we do, do. Flamengo, Dan on this one, Mike. Winchester, Bowman, Bennett, Benning. That's Bowman's seven elite, off the top. But he's an experienced player. Bennett's an experienced player, but he's past his prime. You just said that, made that point. Um, but, but you've got to make experienced players. We're playing him out of position, so you've got to make the if you've got those experience, you've got to make the most of them as well. I think you know it, it's 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 who is in do that mean, first level. Experience or do you mean good League One players? Yeah, yeah, quality, players. quite experienced and quality. quality. Yeah, the quality of having of being played most of their career at higher level, or be you know being proven to be a solid League One footballer. And I, you know, you might see it, and I, it might be something we disagree on, but I don't see it. In there. Oh, which is cool, by the way. I'm all yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, um, but it's not that I think they're brilliant, but I think that there is a core of experienced players who perhaps need to do a bit more. Although I wouldn't say that about Dunkley and Flanagan. I would say that about Morosi. I don't, I don't think Morosi's mm-hmm. been brilliant, but he, you know, I'm not, I'm not leading the campaign to get rid of him. But I think, I think that when we talk about project players, it's a bit, it's a bit demeaning for the players, really. So I mean, Ken has, Ken has come through a professional uh, Premier League academy. He's played Scottish Premier League football. Sure, he hasn't played every week in League One, but I'm all for giving him a chance. I mean, I, I, I think him. he's and Taylor Perry. <laughs> Similar sort of category, right? Yeah. Again, I, again, I, I give them all a chance. I, you know, you want them to perform. You want them to be good. Taylor Perry, you know, a, a guy that had to do a trial before we signed him. So, again, how convinced with the, with the club about taking him on? We didn't just snap him up on a contract. It, it, I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to put your finger on what you can't get to grips with about the team. And, and the problem is, as a fan, it's great. You can pop. You can pop off. Yeah. criticisms and and you don't know what's going to be on the scenes you don't know what kind of budget we're working through and who what players slip through the net and we might have been dead close on six or seven of the best players in the league and they just went somewhere else and yeah. we might have had a really you know there could be all sorts of things that work against us but the team i'm seeing on yeah. the pitch the squad that we've got it, it's just not it's it's not for me it hasn't got enough quality well, for the, for the, funny we thing, want to be the sad thing is we could be right on everything the players might not be good enough the, the tactics and the formation might not be good enough and the head coach might be not good enough, and the recruitment hasn't been good enough. <laughs> all, yeah. everything could well, be right. Possible, and but... the pies aren't good enough, and the pints aren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, and something I want to move on to at some point also. Can I just say the, the pies at Oxford were rubbish, by the way. So, so if there's any help, <laughs> it, was, it was shocking. They're out state and kidney as well. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the input, Dan. Um, but and it's it's funny because the there is a lot of angst amongst the fans, isn't there? Attendances have fallen. To be honest, I didn't really believe the attendances they're stating for home games. And when you're in the West Stand and you can go and get a drink at half time, you know it's empty um, and you can easily get a drink at half time. So for me, I don't quite believe the numbers that they're sharing. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I've got in trouble with the um, Shrewsbury Town ticket office once this season. I but think it's t- the famous, like, they the, the count all the season ticket holders. I was just about to say the they same thing. They don't count yeah. the gate spins, do they? You know, that's the difference, isn't it? Because I mean, yeah. I've been to apparently every home game, and I have not been not been to every home game. So. <laughs> I wonder if Benji's being recorded as well. He hasn't been to a game yet. But there is a lot of angst, which obviously leads back to the summer. We're not going to go over that again. Um, but there is a, a big gap, isn't there, at the moment? There hasn't been a supporters parliament meeting since the summer, since before the summer. The yeah. club said there would be one. Um, was that? Is it? A mistake, and have they just not got around to organising one yet, or was it just the intention was they were said they were going to have one, and they weren't going to have one at all? Who would um, it be with? Well, that's the thing we don't really know, do we? Brian, no. Brian was the club. The manager Face was the off, club. Yeah. Brian was the club off the pitch, mm. and the manager or the head coach was the was the was the face of the club on the pitch. And there's a massive, massive gap now 
Um, and when you have this level of change, you change it at the successful manager, you get rid of a successful CEO. We don't know about the finances. Unfortunately, local media, neither of them have done any really digging into it. So we don't really know any answers. We've only heard a small clip it, flip it from more recently said that we did overspend, but we'll have to wait for the accounts. Just thought what, what your guys' thoughts are about the the kind of the, the off the field kind of atmosphere at the moment, because it feels like a, a couple more bad results and it could be quite a toxic atmosphere at the moment. Yeah, it feels like there's a total disconnect between the club and the fans at the moment off the field. You know, the, the having known the work that Glyn did through the supporters parliament, he'd be tearing his hair out right now about um, about what the situation is because the, all the work that they did in engaging with the fans and, and getting the fans on board and, and doing initiatives to improve the match experience, it seems to have all just completely dried up. And they're just at, so we've lost one of the SLOs for whatever reasons they they jacked it in because they didn't see the, the point of it, I think. Um, and it, it just feels like we are just customers to a business and we turn up, we pay our money and we watch shit football and then we go home. And that's kind of where we're at the moment. I, I think it's it's a real shame. And I, I don't know whether they're going to get those support apartment beats back on the go or there's going to be some way, other way of engaging the fan base. But if they don't, it's a, it's a crying shame. And, it, and it's it's such an own goal as well. You know, it's just another way to alienate a fan base that's already a little bit cheesed off, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is one issue where we're broadly all, all three of us going to be in agreement. I think... When, when you're not scoring goals, and it is worth remind, remembering, every time we score a league goal this year, we win the game. I love that stat. You know, we've won every single game where we scored a league goal. Um, only four of them, but we, we. But there we go. Um, but when you're losing and when you're not scoring, fan bases are going to be cheesed off. That's what that's what the whole thing's about. You know, people aren't just going to sit there and say, oh, well, I've got the opera tomorrow instead. You know, well, they, some they're people do seem to think that fans shouldn't be frustrated or vent their, their thoughts on Twitter, which I always find quite, quite humorous. Well, I don't, don't understand that logic. Free country, you can say what the hell you like, as long as it's not libelous. Um, but, but I do think, you know, people will get disgruntled when their team are losing. And that should be no different to anyone else. Let's just remember, I live next door to Reading, folks. Wow. You know, we think we're in a bad position. You know, that those guys have gone from Premier League to the door of League Two. And, and that's going a really fast. interesting point, though. Um, I don't think you're saying we're not allowed to whinge because we're not Reading. Far from it. No, I'm saying you can, everyone can. But I think everyone, it's normal. Yeah, it is normal. Yeah. Yeah. And it is frustrating, and and I do I do I don't worry about the state of the club, but I do worry 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 where we're going. Well, that's the bit I don't get, Ollie, and and it's the bit we don't get as a three. I think why have we gone from having good relationships with the club, even when we're we're losing, to having no relationship at all? I mean, there seems to be no interaction. I mean, I live too far away to go to things like supporters' parliaments and to to be an active sort of member of that sort of thing. But I do notice it's not there. And I do find yeah. myself asking questions and thinking, well, what, what's going on here? Why has the club not told us what's happened? And some of these things are really simple. Yeah, I don't understand why we've got into the position that we're in, why there's a void, why we're not being, ex uh, simple things have not been explained to us. Because explain the simple things, and sometimes people give you a bit more leeway with the more difficult things. Mm. No, it is frustrating. It's, um, yeah, we're not good on the pitch and we're very bad off it at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just hard to get too enthusiastic, enthusiastic about the, the team at the moment. Yeah, but never forget, we're two or three good results away from, you know, starting to climb the league and everybody getting back on board. It's, it's the daft thing about as, as early in the season as we are. The, well, the good thing is that there's still time. There's still time to turn it around. You know, if the pro, if the process kicks in this week, here we go. And, and despite all the doom and gloom and the negativity, I feel my, I particularly have, have spouted tonight. Yeah, I'm still going to turn up the next home game and, and hope that it's turning around again and the goals are finding because otherwise you wouldn't have a seen ticket, would you? But um, 
it's it's the daft thing about this football is like you know if we start winning games like Dan says people probably stop caring how good the chips are and people stop caring how big the queues are at the turnstiles because it's a more fun place to be and and that's I, maybe that's what they're hedging maybe they're hedging on the fact that they turn the football side around naturally the, the, the off the field stuff sort of takes care of itself a little bit then so um, and this time last yeah, we'll year see. we we played no not quite a bit later in the year we played a lot of the good sides and we had a run of games where we thought oh, we better get some points here and we won six on the goddamn bounce. Yeah, I don't quite know how we did it, and I'm not saying we're going to win the next six. By the way, just, I was going to so say that that would be cool. Well, it might be it might be a good opportunity to look at the next six because um, yeah, it ain't looking pretty. The next six games coming up, is it, Ollie? No, it's, no, it's a good good point. The next six six are Cambridge away, Derby at home, Barnsley away, Wigan away, Bolton at home, and then your mates down the road, Reading, Reading at home. That is a tough run of fixtures. We've been talking about this all season. We had a very good start to the season. Um, after Cambridge, um, it's, it's starting to get quite tough, and that Bolton what? game in particular. Isn't it a split run of fixtures? You've got three games against teams in the bottom. They sound well, like they're big. Reading, well, Wigan, Reading, Wigan, well, Red, Wigan, Reading are Cambridge. not doing very well. But Wigan, Wigan had the point deduction, remember? So they're, they got the same record as us. Exactly the same yeah. record. Yeah, four and six. Have they? Yeah. They've won. Okay, I thought they were doing better than that. Um, so yeah, like, but you're right. I think, so I think, still over a course of the last six games, these six games are tougher, yeah. Um, in terms of what we're coming up, um, but it's gonna be fascinating to see whether we can, whether this is a corner and we are gonna go up with a bit of an upward trajectory because that's what we want. You know, what I'd love more than nothing in 18 months' time that, that Matty Taylor's poached by a championship team because then we've been successful and we've had some fun and we've actually scored some goals. That's all we want is we want to go to football on Saturday and be entertained. We want to come on this pod, we want to start doing podcasts every two weeks because there's so much to talk about and we can't wait to get back on. And um, rather than thinking, should we do a podcast? I've done one for a few weeks, um, and that's where I am. I'm just I'm hoping that we can have a bit of entertainment. Um, and the football as we go into the dark depth of winter, um, can give us some entertainment. Well, I was speaking to Martin Berry as we came out of the ground at Oxford, and he was telling me we haven't won at Cambridge apparently since 1974. Right, mm. and um, two ways of reading that one. Oh God, what horrible place to be going! And and it is the only ground in in England where I've trodden the cape out on the way it through the turnstile. So that that and we lost five nil. <laughs> that that is one hundred percent true. We lost five nil that day, so that wasn't a great one. But all these things come to an end, and they have drifted. They have drifted down towards. They had a really good start to the season, Cambridge. I didn't know where that one came from, but they've drifted down towards us. They lost on Monday night at Burton. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just ridiculously optimistic, but I'm, I'm looking at Saturday with interest. It's the type of game where if this corner exists, then the Saturday's game could well be a part of turning it. Fingers yeah. crossed. Love the positivity. But I think I'm just looking at the agenda for the thing now. Is it, is it probably it's a good time to do, you know, we're 11 games into the season now. Yeah. Uh, we did our pre-season predictions of, of where we thought we we're going to finish. Um I don't know if we want to review those and, and sort of give a bit of a, a eleven game review. I think you can start, Ollie. You you know you, you sort of put the agenda together. What, what do you think? What you were saying we were going to be fourteenth. How do you feel about that? Uh, maybe if we get a new new head coach, we could achieve fourteenth. Um, it's unknown. It's so hard, so hard. We could so easily. If you look at the league table, you win a couple of games and we'll be in the top half. It is there is a, a dearth of teams winning games. A lot of teams are losing games, winning games, so it's it's very, very tight. Um, I think 14th, to be honest, looks a bit optimistic right now. How many, um, how many points do you think we are off 14th? I think we're about three or four points off it. 
two two there we go admittedly yeah. there are a few teams between us and there but you know, but it's yeah it's we are close it will yeah those points we got in the start of the season helping yeah. um but i think for me january is going to be key we you know really in october but i think i think thought coming back from injuries can be really interesting there's a player that everyone a lot of people have forgot i think it's also going to rest on is feeney injured is perry injured and when Shipley coming back if if we get the you know if we get the luck and we get thought back Shipley back feeney perry are fine and then maybe we could sign someone in january i think that that would be more than a, a mid-table side but for me, the crux for me is 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 Matt Taylor going to be able to implement his ideas and other players going to be able to follow through on the pitch. So yeah, I'm really giving you an answer there, Mike. Um, I think it could happen, but we could we could literally go go up into the mid table, or I wouldn't be surprised if Christmas we're doing a Christmas podcast and we're we've got a new manager and we're in the relegation zone. Super. As ex- I hope that fence is extremely comfortable for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Uh, Dan, you said we were going to be 16th looking at this. But I yeah. feel like you might be more positive than that nowadays. Uh, I don't know. Um, it, it's a bit like Ollie, but the bench is stretched all the way down to Ascot because I. I mean, if things go go a bit better than they have over the last seven games, and I think there is reason to be positive. But I mean, my, my feeling is we're going to have good parts of the season, bad parts of the season, and we've just had a bad one. Now we we, we need to balance that out, uh, and I think we I do think we've got players with enough ability to do it. We just need to get a bit of confidence in the side and to have a little bit more faith in the method, or or, or for the method to be more apparent for for me. So I think I'm pretty happy with 16. I think we'll be somewhere there or thereabouts. I mean, we should all have predicted 17. We know why at this story ends. We always end up 17. So so well, so I yeah. did predict 17. You did yeah, you go, go there, Mike. Yeah. And, who is to say that you are wrong? Because I think that the story so far is, is not a million miles away from what we'd expect. We had a good start. We've had a dip. At some point, we'll, we'll have a we'll, we'll rebound a bit, and that could well end up with us all being around that spot. Yeah, and I think my, I'd, I'd stick with my seventeenth moment purely because this league seems absolutely rubbish this season. It's definitely I haven't seen a single point. team play any good football this season. I, I think there's just going to be enough other crap teams, and we can just sort of scrap it out this season. Um, and so, I'd, yeah, I'd stick with that 17th and just sort of hope that, it, yeah, there's loads of other shit knocking around at the end of the season, really. That's that's all I can get hopeful about at the moment. Um, I wonder yeah, that match of, of the best day. Of, best of a that. bad bunch. Yeah, we'll go down off there. I'll go on there. Yeah, yeah. we won't go down because we're not as shit as all the other shit. Yeah. <laughs> you get a bit of viewers. Um, yeah, and um, and he, can't, he isn't here to defend himself, but that's not going to stop us. What do we think of Chris's 13th? Rubbish. The man's on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> he's a loon. No, um, I don't think it's unreasonable. I, I think, I, I think we have to do pretty well to finish thirteenth. If I'm being brutally honest yeah. with you, and, and and I would take, I would, I would take anything above seventeenth if, if it was offered. I, w- I wouldn't twist that stick. It's a transition season, uh, yeah. but we want to know. I think that's, what, I think that's a, a fair question. What is the plan? So yes, Mickey Moore did talk a little bit about we're going to sign younger players or blah blah blah, all this kind of stuff, but. I don't know. Maybe we're never going to hear the plan. Maybe we're never going to hear what we want to hear. And we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Well, I don't expect the plan to be to be explained to me, to be fair, Ollie. I just want to see it. Yeah. I, I want to see, see something on the pitch. And, and that can involve us losing games. But oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure this plan, what, what, well, I just I don't really know what it is because it seems to be let the other team have the ball a lot and defend well, a lot. Well, the actions, th- well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we're not really sure where we're going at the moment. I think that's that that's that's fueling the frustration the fans have with all the other stuff. There's, let's say there's a lot. Yes, we're not Reading, we're not Berry, um, 
but there's, a, there's plenty of things for us to gripe about at the moment. So I do think we've got something to gripe about. Yeah, we've got goals Reading. to talk about. Go on, Ollie. Forget what I've just That's said. That's okay. There. No, it's okay. So you start. You go. I think the game against Reading is potentially a, a really interesting one because that they are, you know, they are scraping along. That they're, they're, you know, they're having an existential crisis, which we're not having. We're just having a we're a bit shit crisis. That they're, they're, they're theirs is existential, and in mid November. You would hope we'd be picking up again. Otherwise, we're, you know, we're we're going to be in that relegation zone. So I'm looking at that one as as quite a significant, you know, journey. That's not a free hit. That's what I'm saying. Oxford away was sort of a free hit. Reading at home is not. We, we need to win that game of football, and not just for me to be able to walk the streets of Ascot without getting abuse from a few of my uh, football playing friends. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I think that's a nice um, a nice place to leave it. Um, yeah, interesting set of games coming up. Cambridge um, on the weekend. Um, I would love it if we could get something there. It'd be nice because we always seem to do. We, we, I think last season and the season before, we were quite unlucky not to get something at Cambridge. So maybe we can break that duck. We were really good for seventy minutes, Ollie, and then we scored. I mean, when we lost two one, but we were we were very good. It was Boxing Day, yeah. and um, it yeah. was a it was a very disappointing defeat in the end. So thanks, guys, for joining me again. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again in a, a few weeks' time. And fingers crossed we've scored a few goals and we've got a few more points on the board. If not, we'll have more stuff to whinge about. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Ollie. Cheers, Mike. Hello and welcome to Epods. That's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it at the end if I can be bothered. Yeah, that could be like, a, you know, it says everything about the season, doesn't it? You know, yeah. stumbling <laughs> into stuff. <laughs> right, let's start again. Hello, welcome to episode six of the season. I'm back again. No, I'm not. We're back again. <laughs> <laughs> should we log off and log back on again? Yeah, maybe. Should we restart me? Definitely have to put this in at the end of the podcast. Um, right. Times have changed. That's Nolan. It's Spitzer from John Nolan. Shrewsbury Town, the team who've stood tall amongst giants in League One this season, are making their presence felt again. And their star man, John Nolan, has scored a beauty.